You're listening to a Richwood Church podcast. Um, we desperately need light. And I think that we all know that because it seems as we look around that our world is in a tailspin. We're dealing with a virus that is spiking again after it slowed down for a while. Our kids are at home trying to do school and parents are trying to work and it's chaotic. The political divides have never been greater. And it's as if a dark cloud has just descended on us. So the question then becomes, where do we find hope? How do we work through this? And the answer is pretty simple, but it's, it's really covered by a lot of our own agendas. You know, we, we have our own desires and our commitment to self. And so we tend to want to make up our own answers. And so we run to our spouse or our job or our, our circumstances, to who's in the White House or who's walking the halls of Congress in order to find hope. But the answer is right in front of us, and his name is Jesus. Jesus is the only place to find hope. And this morning I want to show you why that's the case and how you can find hope in Jesus. So if you have a Bible, a phone, or a tablet, if you could just go ahead and grab that tool and turn to the book of Isaiah. We're going to go to the Old Testament, Isaiah 6, or 9 rather, beginning in verse 6. Isaiah 9, beginning in verse 6. This is a prophecy that was written some 700 years before the Lord's death or the Lord's birth, rather, and it provides a word of hope in darkness, in uncertainty, just as it did for Israel all those years ago. So let's begin. Isaiah 9, verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, and to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So Isaiah is often referred to as a messianic prophet. And that means that he wrote a lot about the coming Messiah. And so he is one that, again here, is pointing toward the future and toward our future hope. And it, it does seem that for the people of Israel, they needed the same kind of hope that we have. If you look at verse 6 here, Isaiah says, For the us, in for to us a child is born, refers to the people of Israel and now to believers in this church age. The child is the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who took on human flesh. He became 100% God and 100% man in order to do the mission that he had been called to do. And so here, Isaiah's prophecy becomes a beacon of anticipation. Here's the first point I want to make this morning. The prophet Isaiah forecasts the arrival of mankind's only hope. And Jesus is the only hope. There is no place else to go to find lasting hope. 
because it gets shrouded in all of these different things that the world has to offer. And people around us are desperately looking for this kind of hope. If you look at the statistics that are starting to come in now, and that are being tallied by researchers, um, for example, in the May 4th edition of the Washington Post, it reported that a federal emergency hotline for those who are in emotional distress registered a 1,000% increase over April of a year ago. That's 1,000%. That's a lot of people. And I can only imagine what those numbers look like now, some six months later. These are real people with real issues and are losing hope. And that's why we've been called to take the gospel forward. We've been called to share the gospel because we need to tell them that Jesus is the only place to find hope. But first we need to believe that. And we need to live like it because it's easy for us to say that, but then we get off on our own tangents and we try to go back to our old habits. But the prophet Isaiah himself was a, was a man who was committed to this ideal. He was a, a man committed to hope, committed to telling the truth. And with his stroke of the pen, he, he concealed nothing. He t- held nothing back. He was not afraid of man. He feared God. And he was also a man who was known to be deeply spiritual. And so as he wrote these words, he meant them, and he understood the meaning of them. And if you're a prophet in the Old Testament, you needed to believe what you were saying because nobody else did, and you were mocked. But Isaiah wrote these words out of a pure heart. He gave us hope that Messiah would indeed come to save the world, and that's our hope. And not just that he would arrive on earth, but Isaiah also was sure of this, that hope and justice would come in the form of the long-awaited Messiah. Hope and justice. And that's what we don't have a lot of right now, is hope and justice in our world. And they're more than just buzzwords, because we hear them all the time, but they're what God intended before the fall. And if you look here at the words in verse 6, and the government shall be upon his shoulder... There, Isaiah is using a phrase that figuratively refers to the robe worn by Messiah over, on his shoulder. It's a kingly robe, and it's meant for only one king, and his name is Jesus Christ. And so as Isaiah is forecasting he's coming, he's saying that the government shall be upon his shoulder. He will rule. And the arrival of Messiah is good news because of that. You know, as was the case in Isaiah's day, I think it's fair to say that we have some dysfunctional leaders. And because of that, you know, we get discouraged and we start to lose hope. But that won't always be the case. One day, Jesus will reign on David's throne. Now, Jesus is already reigning over a vast kingdom, but one day, the Bible says, that he will sit on the throne of Israel and he will reign on earth. And that will be a time when there will be perfect justice, there will be equity, there will be fairness, and there will be hope. 
And I know that 2020 has drained the life out of many. And where there was once joy and anticipation, now there's just this sense of we just got to get through this somehow. And things have changed for the holidays and plans have been shifted. And so there is this need to find something beyond what we can see, and that's hope. And what Isaiah is saying to us is that Messiah has come to give us that kind of hope, but that you can only find it in him. Because one day he will come and he will rule righteously and honorably. And that's something that we can all look forward to and that we desperately need to put our minds around because it's absolute truth. So hope is also seen in the amazing titles that Isaiah attributes to Jesus. And so I love this, this idea here of the titles that Isaiah throws out because the titles tell us everything we need to know about Jesus. And titles move us beyond that that kind of um, nativity scene that we become so used to and the Christmas cards we get and then we put them away at the end of the year. It moves them into a completely different realm. And so let's go through this and just give a quick look at the titles that Isaiah gives Jesus here. In verse 6, the first is Wonderful Counselor. The term in the original language there could be rendered exceptional or distinguished. He's a counselor that people will listen to. They, the, the, there's hope for the future because at some point there will be one voice. There will be unity. And Jesus will be that voice. And so you can just imagine the joy of that. Not only is he a wonderful counselor, but Isaiah says that he is mighty God. And what he's doing here is he's unmistakably proposing that Jesus is mighty God of Israel. And that would have been a shocking statement. But now he's also our mighty God. And there's hope for the future in that because he is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. He will do what he says he will do. And by the way, he is Lord over viruses. He is Lord over violence. He is Lord over all of this disunity that we have in our world, and he will one day bring them to an end. Wonderful counselor and mighty God. He is also everlasting father. So this is interesting, too, because Isaiah is not just talking about the relationship in the Trinity between the Father and the Son. What he's proclaiming here is that Jesus is a loving Father. Jesus knows you. He sees you. And yes, he went to the cross, but don't forget he rose again. And he is now your high priest. He prays for you. He loves you. He's walking with you. And so there's nothing in this pandemic that surprises him. There's nothing in your life that's happening right now that is somehow out of his grasp. He is everlasting Father. And so this is why we can find hope in Christ. He was worshipped at his birth. He'll be worshipped forever. And so he is the only place to find the hope that we need. Isaiah wrote about this too in, in 32. He said, Behold, a king will reign in 
righteousness. And that's a beautiful thought. And princes will rule in justice. Each will be like a hiding place from the wind, a shelter from the storm. Don't you wish that we could find a hiding place from the wind and a shelter from the storm? Guess what? You can. And his name is Jesus Christ. But we look everywhere else but Jesus And I know for me, I tend to go back to my old habits and my old way of doing things and my old, you know, the things that give me temporary joy. But just imagine for a minute what it would be like to live under a perfect ruler. Can you, I mean, our our leadership is so messed up right now, it's hard for us to even think about this. But this person, Jesus, will shelter you from all of the chaos All of the gross stuff that you deal with. One day there will be no more racism. There will be no violence. One day there will be no economic disparity. Every person, regardless of age, race, or gender, will be treated equally. Those with disabilities will be treated as equals and they will be celebrated for the way God made them, because they are image bearers of God. Babies in the womb will be protected. And they'll be seen as people, and God will protect them. Seniors will be honored and valued, rather than pushed aside. And righteousness will win, while evil is destroyed. That's what's ahead under the rulership of Jesus Christ. That's why he's the place to go and find hope. Now, he, he has this kind of already but not yet proposition. He's already reigning, but there are things that will happen before he comes back and reigns on earth. So we can still give ourselves to him and we can trust him and we can know that he'll take care of us, but this future reign is also something that we can put our hope in. And that's who Jesus is. He's wonderful counselor. He's mighty God. He's everlasting father. But here at the end of verse 6, Isaiah also tells us that he is Prince of Peace. And I want you to look again here at verse 7 with me because Isaiah uh, delves into this a little bit more. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from This time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. He's Prince of Peace. And this will all be accomplished because of the zeal of the Lord, not because we're going to be able to fix everything. Now, we shouldn't be fatalists. We shouldn't just decide that nothing is going to change because God has given us minds and tools and, and ways to work things. But... At the end of the day, it's going to be all about the zeal of God, the zeal of his kingdom, the zeal of his redemptive program that is changing lives and saving people from their sin. So the Savior we worship is a marvelous person. And we tend to see him as this baby in a manger, but he's so much more than that. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. This is the Jesus that we worship. He's the God of Israel. He's now your God. And he will rule in Rome.
righteousness. But here's the thing. We can't just take this hope and leave it on the table. We can't just decide we're going we're gonna to hide it and keep it for ourselves. We can't just not apply it because that would be foolish. So let's talk about how to apply this hope a little bit. And let me just tell you that Jesus Christ, the hope of Christ, can change your life. And here's how it can do that. And, and let me just say, the gospel is Jesus. He is the good news. And the, and the great thing about the gospel is that it can't be contained, it can't be put in a box. And so he, he is not going to just be on a Hallmark card or in a Hallmark movie. He's better than that. All right, good, you got that. Um, I, I think I watched two sort of Hallmark movies yesterday for a little while, and yeah, it's time for Christmas to be over. But here's, here's the thing about Jesus and the reason he can change your life. Number one, it's this. The hope of Christ allows you to see beyond the present to a promising future. And, and this is so good because Webster, Webster's Dictionary defines hope as to cherish or desire something that you want to be true. So you're desiring something that you want to happen. You're desiring something that you want to be true. But the antithesis of, the antithesis of hope then becomes... The absence of hope is a future that has no chance of happening. So that's what people are experiencing. And a pandemic is quickly sucking the life right out of people. Because they're seeing, if you're a small business owner, if you own a restaurant, if you have a job and you've been furloughed, you're seeing dreams just evaporate before your very eyes. The hope you once had to do this or that is disappearing. Even Christmas plans are changing. But Jesus is the answer to that discouragement. David, way back in the Old Testament, David, would he would run up against these difficulties, when, when he would run up against death or, or hard knocks, what would he do? He would look to the future. He, he would look toward heaven. Here's what David said, and this is part of Psalm 23. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And this is after he had said, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. But where's my hope? It's in the future. It's, it's in your mercy it's the fact that I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's hope. That's where we can turn. That's where we can turn when life goes south on us. There's hope. Jesus is the very definition of a place to find hope. In him, when you're aligned with his will, all of your dreams will come true. But the great thing about God is he doesn't, he doesn't allow our foolish dreams to come true. He first aligns us with his perfect will, and then he pours his blessing on us. And so I want you to know that one of the reasons he can change your life is because you can see a promising future. Secondly, is this. The hope of Christ allows you to thrive in suffering. 
It allows you to thrive in suffering. And so this is important because the world is suffering right now. And as we work through this pandemic and as we see the death totals rise and we understand more and more about the mental health impact on this, there is genuine suffering in the world. And to try to diminish that by making a political statement about it is foolishness because people genuinely are suffering. And so we need to, to lean into that. We need to offer Christ to them in a loving, compassionate way, not explain away their suffering. But the good thing as Jesus' followers is that we know that God has a plan in suffering for us and that we can thrive in suffering. I want you to look here at what Paul wrote in the book of Romans because Paul understood what God does through suffering in Romans 5, 2 through 5. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character. And character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Hope. Hope does not put us to shame. Why? Because God is working through suffering. He's, he's developing us. He's changing us. None of these things that are happening are somehow outside of God, and he's going, uh-oh, I better change my plan uh-oh, no. God has been with this thing every step of the way, and he's with you, and suffering is a way that God refines us and makes us more like him. This is why we do our, our podcast, our radio show called Life Support, because what we're doing is we're introducing Christ in trauma. And we're helping people to understand by hearing stories of people that have gone through just immense suffering of how they have met Christ in a new way in that suffering. That's hope. So I want you to know that what's happening right now is not random. It's not bad luck. God is working his purpose through what's happening right now, both at a macro level and in your life. So Isaiah was excited to introduce this coming Messiah, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, the one who gives us hope for a better future, the one who can, can help us in our suffering. And finally, you can experience the reality of this truth because the hope of Christ brings new depth to the meaning of Christmas. And here's what I mean by that, you know. We have terms that we use during the holidays, things that we think of all of the time, things like turkey, which is a good thing, of course, football, which is even better. But we, you know, we talk about Black Friday, we talk about Christmas trees and decorations and, and presents and all of these traditions, none of it's bad. None of it's bad. But there's something more to the holidays than that. And when we understand who Jesus is, when we understand, in Isaiah's words, this immense part of his personhood that we rarely talk about, it adds a new layer of depth to what we celebrate at Christmas. Because we're literally celebrating the birth 
of the king, the God-man, the, the one who will reign forever. And we're not just celebrating a birth, we're celebrating a life of ministry. Who, who went to the cross and, and, and he died there for sin. And we'd be doing him a huge disservice if we don't draw a straight line from the manger to the cross. Because that's why he came. So that's where we find our hope. And when you see the world spinning out of control, when you feel like you're losing traction, when there are days when you just, you can't take it anymore, remember who's there with his arms open saying, just come over to me. I've got this. And his name is Jesus. He's the source of our hope. And to do that, you simply believe that he is the Son of God. That he came to earth in order to die for your sin. That he lived, he ministered, he died on a Roman cross sinlessly. And then he rose again and he now is reigning for all time. Now he provides hope for the future. And if, you, if you've been a believer and you've already received the love of Jesus Christ into your life, then I would just encourage you, when you run into these times, just to ask him to give you faith. Ask him to remind you who's really in control. And ask him to restore your hope. Because without hope, we're not going to get through this thing. And Jesus is the only source of real and lasting hope. Thank you for joining us on the Ridgewood Church Podcast. For more faith-based resources or information about Ridgewood Church, visit us at myrwc.org.